Hey guys, welcome back to the Bible Podcast with Hunter Davis. Today we'll be in Matthew chapter 27, beginning with Judas hangs himself. Verse 1, Early in the morning all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate the governor. So early the next morning the Sanhedrin met again this time officially and legally. The Sanhedrin was the highest Jewish council in the first century. The council had 71 members and was presided over by the high priest. Both Sadducees and Pharisees were members of this council. At this time, the Sanhedrin liked the power to put a person to death. But Rome would never execute a person on a charge of blasphemy because that charge pertained to Jewish law only to Jewish law. So the meeting seems to have been for the purpose of deciding what charge to bring against Jesus so the Romans would put him to death. At this point, Matthew interjects a section about Judas' death before continuing his account of Jesus' appearance coming before Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. So the religious leaders officially meet to decide what charges to bring against Jesus. Sanhedrin decides to bring Jesus before Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of the region. Verse 3. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went and hanged him. Then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priest picked up the coins and said, "It is against the law to put this into the treasury since it is blood money." So they decided to use the money to put the to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the thirty pieces of silver, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. So realizing that Jesus had been condemned, Judas repented of his act of betrayal. He returned the thirty silvers of thirty silver shekels to the elders and chief priests. He confessed to them that Jesus was innocent and that in betraying him he had sinned. When Judas realized that the religious authorities were not going to reconsider their actions against Jesus, in anger and despair he threw the money down in the temple and left. Seeing no relief for his guilt, Judas committed suicide by hanging himself. Judas repented to the chief priests his betrayal of Jesus, admitting that Jesus was an innocent man. Filled with guilt, Judas hanged himself, refusing to ask forgiveness from God. His guilt became more than he could bear. So the chief priest collected the coins but refused to keep that money because they considered it blood money and unclean. They finally agreed to use the money to buy a field for the burial of strangers who might die while in Jerusalem. Matthew saw this as a fulfilling of Old Testament scripture. Verse 11 Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priest and the elders, he gave no answer. 
And Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they at that time they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, "Which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who was called the Messiah?" For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat. His wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, His blood is on us and, our, and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. So Matthew now resumes that narrative where he left off in verse 2. Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea, was in Jerusalem at the time, although his official residence was in Caesarea. So the religious leaders delivered Jesus to him. So Pilate's first question, Are you king of the Jews? Pilate's only concern was whether Jesus had broken Roman law. Jesus answered, Yes, it is as you say. After his answer, the religious authorities hurled their accusations at Jesus, but he refused to reply to their charges. Pilate's second question, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? Jesus remained silent, which surprised Pilate. Jesus' silence fulfilled the prophecy in Isaiah 53.7, which says, in speaking of the suffering servant, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. So evidently, Pilate remained unimpressed with the case against Jesus. He saw no evidence of treason. At Passover, it was customary for the governor to release a prisoner for the people. Pilate took advantage of this custom and tried to win the crowd's approval for Jesus' release. A man named Barabbas was in prison on charges of murder and insurrection. Pilate offered the crowd a choice to release either Jesus or Barabbas. During this proceeding, a message reached Pilate from his wife. She had a dream about Jesus that greatly disturbed her. She warned her husband not to prosecute this innocent man. So Pilate found himself in a quandary. He had a potentially serious riot on his hands if he went ahead and released Jesus. He needed to keep the peace in Jerusalem if he wanted to retain his position as governor. And he needed, and he needed the support of the religious leaders who were urging Jesus' crucifixion. Yet Pilate must have realized that the sentencing of an innocent man to death was a betrayal of Roman justice. Pilate, however, was too insecure to unhold, to uphold principles of Roman law or follow his wife's intuition. When Pilate asked the crowd what he should do with Jesus, the people cried out for his death by crucifixion. Crucify him. 
Pilate literally washed his hands in the matter, using this Jewish custom to proclaim his innocence. So Pilate let the crowd make the choice. Jesus of Barabbas they chose to free a murderer rather than the one who came to save them from sin. Jesus would be executed for the crime for which Barabbas was guilty. We pick up in verse 27. The soldiers mocked Jesus. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into, into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. So at this point, Pilate's soldiers took Jesus into the governor's palace, where he faced more mocking and ridicule. They were then ready to take Jesus to the site of his crucifixion. Verse 32, The Crucifixion of Jesus As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and above his head they placed the written charge against him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled, ins hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you, are, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him, in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. A convicted criminal was expected to carry the horizontal beam for his own cross to the site of the crucifixion, where the vertical beam was already in the ground. Apparently, Jesus was too weak and injured from his flogging to carry, to carry it very far. The soldiers had Simon of Cyrene help carry the crossbeam. The crucifixion took place at Golgotha, meaning the place of the skull. There, Jesus' hands and feet were nailed to the cross between the two robbers, who may have been fellow, who, who, who may have been followers of Barabbas. Over Jesus' head was placed a wooden placard reading, this is King Jesus, King of the Jews. While he hung on the cross, Jesus offered a pain-killing drink, was offered a pain-killing drink, but he refused it, allowing him to maintain a clear and fully conscious mind. While on the cross, in the midst of his greatest physical agony, Jesus faced ridicule from three different groups, passerby, religious leaders, and the two robbers beside him. One of the taunts from the crowd was, If you are the Son of God, an exact reproduction of Satan's catcall in Matthew 4.3 during Jesus' temptations in the wilderness. 
The soldiers followed the usual custom of casting lots, perhaps variously marked pebbles, for Jesus' clothes. This fulfilled the words of Psalm 22:18. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Jesus endured extreme pain and ridicule from the soldiers, the religious leaders, and the crowd. He willingly submitted to this abuse as part of his mission. Verse 45, The Death of Jesus From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest, the rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. The method the Romans used to execute Christ was the most painful and degrading form of capital punishment in the ancient world. A person crucified in Jesus' day was first beaten with a whip, consisting of thongs with embedded pieces of metal. This scourging was designed to hasten death and lessen the terrible ordeal. After the beating, the victim carried the crossbeam to signify that life was over and to break his will to live. A tablet detailing the crime was often placed around the criminal's neck. At the site, the prisoner was tied or nailed. So, being tied was a normal method, or nailed if a quicker death was desired to the crossbeam. At Jesus' death, three unusual events took place. A natural darkness, the rending of the temple veil, and the resurrection of the saints. So first, the darkness in 45-46. From noon until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the land was covered in darkness, this is the first of the three remarkable events in nature associated with his death and reflecting its cosmic significance. Perhaps his darkness was, sim was symbolic of God's judgment upon those who had rejected his son. It isn't surprising that nature reacted with darkness during the hours when the Creator hung dying on the cross. At about three o'clock, Jesus cried out the words of Psalm 22.1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This cry of Jesus is the only one of Jesus' sayings from the cross preserved by Matthew and Mark. Others are recorded by Luke and John's Gospel. God the Father was there in this entire event, using it to reconcile the world to himself. But Jesus was bearing the sin of the world. The one who had been totally free from sin was now bearing the world's sin. Then after a loud cry, Jesus yielded his spirit, Luke records, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. John records, it is finished. Verse 51, At that moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went to the holy city and appeared to many people. The veil at the entrance to the Holy of Holies was split from top to bottom in verse 51. This rending of the temple curtain can symbolize the opening of direct access 
to God because of Jesus' death. This temple veil was the curtain that separated the most holy place from the holy place. Only the high priest was able to pass through the veil, and then only on the Day of Atonement. In verses 52-53, an earthquake split rocks and caused tombs to open. Matthew wrote that after Jesus had been raised from the dead, the bodies of many of God's people buried in Jerusalem were raised. In verse 52-53, and the, the tombs were broken open, the bodies of many holy people who, who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. This is showing you that after his after his death and resurrection, that people were being, that he was bringing life immediately. In verse fifty four, when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, "Surely he was the son of God!" Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Matthew listed followers who had witnessed the event on the events on the cross. This included Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and John. Matthew apparently believed these women deserved credit for their faithfulness by their presence during Jesus' great trial and suffering. So, events within the world of nature testified to the monumental significance of the crucifixion. Verse 57, The Burial of Jesus As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate offered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary was sitting, were sitting there opposite the tomb. The Jewish law required that the body of an executed person be buried the same day, the same day death occurred. Deuteronomy 21, 22-23 says, And if a man has committed a sin worthy of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his corpse shall not hang all night on the tree, but you shall surely bury him on the same. For he who is hanged is accused of God, so that you do not defile your land, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance. Jesus died about three o'clock on Friday afternoon. It was necessary that he be buried before the Sabbath began at sunset. Joseph of Arimathea, called a rich man by Matthew, asked and received permission from Pilate to take the body of Jesus for burial. At least two of Jesus' women followers from Galilee watched as Joseph laid Jesus' body in the tomb and sealed it. These were two of the women, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, who had seen the crucifixion from a distance. Jesus' body is finally laid to rest in a stone tomb. His burial is witnessed by others, and the tomb is sealed. Verse 62. The guard at the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priest and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days I will raise again. 
So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. The Jews believed that death was irrevocable after a person had been dead three days, since by then the spirit had left the body. Only Matthew has left a record of an action taken by the Jewish authority after Jesus' death. On the Sabbath, the day after Jesus died, the Pharisees and chief priests went out to Pilate with a request. They told Pilate that Jesus had promised to rise from the dead three days after his death, so they feared Jesus' disciples would steal his body and then claim that he had risen. That fraud, they declared, would have been worse than, than Jesus' fraudulent claim to be the Messiah. They asked that Pilate make the tomb secure until Jesus had been dead three days. Pilate agreed to, this, to the religious leader's request. He gave them a group of soldiers to guard the tomb, and the stone at the tomb's entrance was sealed. The religious authorities took special measures to guard against a fraudulent resurrection of Jesus. In the end, their actions only served as evidence to the event of Jesus' resurrection. That's it for chapter 27, guys. Man, one of the most powerful chapters in the whole Bible. You know, going back to the story of the crowd, you know, wanting Barabbas over Jesus. You know, Barabbas deserved to die the death that Jesus did. You know, Jesus could have you know, been like, you know, this is not fair. I, I've done nothing wrong. This man is a murderer and a thief. But yet Jesus stayed quiet and he accepted the punishment that was put on him. You know, we are, we are Barabbas. We deserve the punishment. And, and God... And Jesus took it for us. He was silent and took the punishment for us. Jesus was willing to take this punishment and death for us. He was mocked and ridiculed. And in the end, he still looked forward to the joy that was set before him. He endured on the cross all that pain and agony for what was set before him. And that joy will be that we, we will be united with him again in glory. That we would have a relationship with the Father. And that we will be with him one day again because of his death on the cross. Oh man, this really is something. It's a very powerful thing to read. I hope that this touched you guys as much as it did me. And I pray that anyone who hears this message would come to repentance and faith in Christ Jesus and make Him Lord of their life. Well, guys, that'll be it for tonight. And we'll pick up back up in chapter 28 tomorrow, the last chapter for Matthew. Thank you for joining me, guys. Have a good night.